For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsberg. I'm your host, Rumendell, here for the next couple of hours talking everything to do with the Winnipeg Jets. The Stanley Cup has been awarded. Finally, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. It's now time for silly season to begin in earnest. I would strongly suspect the next couple weeks could be filled with some fun, some games, some trades, some speculation, and a whole lot of ink being spilled regarding the Winnipeg Jets and the NHL as a whole. Dave M., good morning. I normally would uh, start with you and say hello and all that jazz, but we have to, of course, talk about Dr. Ginsburg, clean-shaven Dr. Ginsburg, and his palatial palace. Look at that retreat where the man is broadcasting from. That is not just a background, folks. Ezzy is among the tall pines and looking radiant with the sun and the birds tweeting in the background. Wow, what an intro, Drew. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's God's country out here. About 25 minutes past Lac du Bonnie at my wife Naomi's family's cottage. It's uh, beautiful, about 17, 18 degrees Celsius. Now, is that Close bird, to... is that just like a bird noise? Or is that bird just very, you know, conveniently uh, making its presence known on the show at the same time? No, those are real birds. There's okay. there's woods around us here. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what kind of bird. Dave knows his bird sounds. I, I think I can recognize a blue jay and uh, a few other birds, maybe a robin, but I'm not sure what that is. But, no, those are real birds. <laughs> it's a there's, hawk. Uh, no, no bears around right now, Drew. That's going to be a whole different... Uh, situation if i see a black bear but uh yeah it's pretty fun we don't get to do the show I'm, I'm basically trying i told you guys right before we came on here i'm trying to replicate what drew did last year at the 22 22 draft uh when he was broadcasting live from his in-laws in kentucky and he had the woods behind him the funniest part of that show as you guys remember is when by the end of the show it was pitch black behind drew and it looked like he was doing the show in a back alley uh, so no, yeah, Ezzie, the, the, Ezzie, the, Ezzie, the highlight of that was when Drew kept looking over his shoulder because there were sounds coming from the woods. The sounds definitely uh, made me uh, reconsider where I did the last part of the show from. I went inside, I think, for safety yeah. reasons. You never know what's going to come lurking uh, in the woods. Maybe Cocaine Ezzie. Bear was going to come and get it. Ezzy, possibly. Ezzy you know, Bear. He's just going to jump out at me or something along those lines. Yeah, but you know that Ezzy Bear is just going to give you a big hug. Like, you're, you don't have to worry about Ezzy Bear attacking you. It's just going to be a hug, and then I'm just going to ask you for all of your food. That's all. I was just going to say, and in, in, in true, in true uh, Bear's style eat all your food yeah he's gonna steal my picnic basket this is exactly what's gonna happen dave i'm good morning to you good sir nice to see you thanks drew thank you good to be here good to be on the show good to be here for the full show as opposed to last week we're at uh, bail after an hour you guys how was uh, the bot uh, mitzvah dave bot mitzvah was good good food good times she did a great job so uh uh shout out to paula but yeah no it was a it was a good bot mitzvah as bot mitzvahs go. go But anyways, yes, we will be here for the full two hours, all three of us, unless as he you know gets mauled or something like that. But that'll be entertaining <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, we of course start with the the Jets, and of course we start with I think Pierre Luc Dubois because his name is at the 
forefront. I mean, Connor Halbach is also at the forefront, but I think there's more noise right now regarding uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and what everyone assumed was going to be a foregone conclusion that he'd somehow end up in Montreal. Well, the, reading the tea leaves, reading the speculation, reading the innuendo, reading the rumors, it sounds like the LA Kings might be at the forefront of those negotiations. It sounds like the LA Kings may be the ones who are going to step up. And it sounds like Pierre-Luc Dubois might be intrigued by the idea of being a long-term member of the Los Angeles Kings. We know that Ange Kopitar is not getting any younger, still a hell of a hockey player, but I think the LA Kings sort of see that there could be a bit of a, you know, uh, maybe a, a, a transition there, a seamless transition in their in their hopes. Now, in my estimation, Pierre-Luc Dubois is not Ange Kopitar uh, and, and never has been, and time will tell if he ever will be in terms not of... Not many player, players are, right? Like, I think right. you guys would agree he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, right, exactly right. Uh, and now Pierre-Luc Dubois would hope to get to that level. But, you know, from the Jets' perspective, you know, sure, you may not be thrilled about him staying within the conference, but let's be honest. The only difference of that is you play two games against the Montreal Canadiens each year. You might play three games against the Los Angeles Kings. So that would be what I would describe as a very minor factor because the LA Kings, when it comes to prospects, when it comes to those sort of the young talent that, that the Jets have been said to be looking for, Dave, the yeah. LA Kings are loaded and probably in more of an advantageous position to offer some of that young talent than the Montreal Canadiens are. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. And and look, even from a leverage perspective, even if LA doesn't end up, you know, becoming the front runner, although as Elliot Friedman reported, uh, I think in yesterday's 32 Thoughts podcast, he said they're leaning hard, mm-hmm. leaning hard into Pierre-Luc Dubois. And then he mentioned Colorado, but he really Funny said... Dave, because Pierre-Luc Dubois leans hard into opposing <laughs> defensemen, right? Well, maybe that's what they're hoping to create, as he. But the fact is that even if it doesn't end up coming to fruition, what it ends up doing is it says to Montreal, you got to play ball. Because right now, everyone in Montreal thinks that they're getting Pierre-Luc Dubois for free. They're basically like, here is your ma- your your magic beans, you know, the last pick in the draft for in the first round, mm-hmm. and maybe some B level prospect. We'll take Pierre Luc Dubois off your hands for uh, pennies on the dollar. Although, evidently, as he he's uh, looking for around nine million a season, which is insane. So uh, that's a whole nother, you know can of worms that they're gonna to have to figure out he's not but worth nine million dollars no season he's right now it, no it's it's, it's a crazy really not it's, it's a crazy number i mean it's it's not it's not even i again you one of the quotes and, and it was from friedman yesterday and he said uh it came from isaiah thomas of course former uh raptors was he a gm but obviously detroit Ra- no, detroit pistons great yeah. uh isaiah thomas told him at the as it approaches the draft so everybody's lying into pierre luc dubois that's shocking What's that? That Isaiah Thomas is an insider when it comes to Pierre-Luc Dubois? No, but he was an insider into insider into the draft because he said, everybody's lying, everybody has an agenda. And look, even if this is not a truth, the fact is it, it helps the Jets out. So even if the LA Kings are not the front runners, although there's no reason to believe this is erroneous information, but it, you know, if you take even if you take it with a grain of salt as, the reality for the Jets is it, it forces Montreal to up their ante a little bit. Absolutely. And, you know, there is a connection between LA and Montreal, right, with Philip Deneau. And I said this several weeks ago, right? Guys like, obviously, Andre Kopitar is not going to be traded. He'll finish his career as a king, most likely. A lot of people are talking about Quinton Byfield, who Dennis Bernstein on Winnipeg Sports Talk earlier this week talked about. He's been used on the wing with Andre Kopitar, right? So 
I mean, Quinton Byfield is the obvious guy that everybody, all Jets fans are talking about right now. And I think Byfield's intriguing, right, guys? Because I think you'd agree that, you know, at 20 years old, he hasn't even scratched the surface of, of what he's able to do, right? You look at a guy like Mark Shifley, he really, you know, hit his stride at, you know, 23, 24 years old. I think that's safe to say, right? So I think there's some intriguing pieces that you could kind of speculate about, Dave, as far as, you know, PLD trades go. Um, I know Brant Clark is a top defenseman. Say, Dennis Bernstein said what about Brant Clark as he the right shot defenseman? Right. And apparently, you know, Brant Clark is not a guy that they're going to consider moving. So, I mean, you're talking most likely about Quinton Byfield. Gabe Velarde, I believe, needs a new contract, right? He's an RFA, if I'm not mistaken. And he had a, a really good year last year, so he's going to get a raise. So, I mean, is there some type of package involved? Like, I don't know if Dubois for Byfield straight up really is something that I would consider just because Dubois say whatever you want about Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's an established center in the NHL, right? Like, he probably, you know, will hit his career high in points, you know, in the next two or three years. I think that's safe to say. Uh, but he's established. Whereas Quinton Byfield, he's only played one full season, right? And we know that his offensive numbers were a little bit underwhelming. But again, reminder, he's 20 years old. How many times have we said that when you're talking about whether it's Cole Perfetti or whether you're talking about Billy Hainel? You have to remember these guys are in their early 20s. And they're the infancy of their pro careers, right? So the Los Angeles Kings make, it, make a lot of sense because of what Drew said. Andre Kopitar, back nine of his career. And this is a team that is kind of on the brink, right? Like they, they need to get past some of those upper echelon teams like the Vegas Golden Knights, like the whether you want to admit it or not, the Edmonton Oilers have been one of the better teams in the West. And LA is one of those teams that, you know, is trying to elevate their lineup. So Pierre-Luc Dubois makes a lot of sense. I think Connor Hellebuck also makes a lot of sense. But do you have yeah. the assets? Like, I think, guys, when you're talking about whether it's L.A., whether it's Montreal, I mean, we've heard Boston out there. We've heard Dallas out there. Even Tampa Bay, Jeff Merrick mentioned a week ago. You have to wonder if you could see a couple of these guys in a, a massive blockbuster trade. I think a lot of people have been focused on the one-for-one. One, but you wonder if a team is going to take a swing at both Dubois and Hellebuck. Well, you know, but for from the LA perspective, because LA is, of course, would still sort of be in the market for a goalie. They have the Eunice Corpusalo. That's who they acquired at the end of the season last year from Columbus as part of that Jonathan Quick sort of three-way trade uh, situation. But Corpusalo is a UFA, and do you trust him as your number one goalie? You know, for, for on the long term, Phoenix Copley is also there. He's under contract for you know on the, this year at at one point five million. Phoenix Copley veteran sort of journeyman goaltender isn't one that's really moving the needle when it comes to uh, goaltending success. I don't think that the, you know, and I've heard people talk about the Dubois and Hellebuck to LA. And like you said, as he really make it a blockbuster, I just don't think LA has got the cap space in which to accommodate that. Cause there's also talk that as part of a Dubois sign and trade, which is what, you know, has been rumored to be, with any team, not necessarily strictly LA, the Jets would have to take a contract back. You've heard the name Victor Arvidsson mentioned. Arvidsson, of course, signed with uh, LA a couple years ago. He's got one year left uh, on his deal at $4.25 million. Doesn't make sense to me, though, Drew. I, I imagine you guys think the same way because Victor Arvidsson, good player, right? But Victor Arvidsson, he's not a young man. He's 30 years old. Right. And don't wouldn't you rather have a player that you have team control over? No, no, and no. And I think I, you guys I, know I, the answer to that. I know what you're saying. He would be more of a throw-in to the deal. He wouldn't be the right. centerpiece of the deal. He makes the money deal. work. I just is, don't is, know. I don't see 
Like, is Victor Arvidsson cracking the Jets' top six? I think Victor – look, if L.A. needs to shed money to make a deal happen, uh, I, I think Victor Arvidsson coming back to Winnipeg would be a very fine acquisition. Not as the main piece. Don't get me wrong. He's not the headline piece in that trade. He's but, – but Victor Arvidsson, good veteran player, guy who had a lot of success uh, in Nashville for all those years – I think him coming back and just, again, fortifying the Winnipeg Jets who are insistent that they're not in a rebuild, that they still see some sort of open window for whatever. He's another still have such a big hole up the middle, though, Drew. That's the problem. And I don't don't see a package of, like, Byfield and Arvidsson for Dubois. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you're talking about – people are talking about Arvidsson or Sean Dursey – First off, Jersey just had a career year, and the Kings really like Jersey. He was playing in their top four, so I don't. I I just think like people are going through the Kings roster and basically, you know, picking every single guy except Drew Doughty, right, Dave? So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just think that Quinton Byfield makes a lot of sense. He's a he's an intriguing prospect, but I just like for me, Dubois for Byfield straight up. I, you're 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 trading an established player. For a guy that hasn't established himself, he probably will. Like, I think Byfield's going to be a really good NHLer. I really do. He's got mm-hmm. the size. He's got the uh, everything. He's the total package. He's probably the closest 20-year-old prospect to Dubois <laughs> that you're going to get in a trade scenario, right? I just don't see that being a straight-up trade. I, I don't think Byfield – sorry, Dave, and I want you to – I don't think that L.A. is going to trade Byfield. I mean, I know that the Jets might be asking for it, but, you know, uh, but uh, Velarde makes a lot more – sense as part of a package with a uh, you know a, a few pieces in it why would la unless they i mean now they've seen them obviously more than any of us have or watched them closer unless la is willing to say that gabe velarde the guy that they drafted second overall just a couple of years ago that they're mm-hmm. already throwing in the towel on him that would be that would be surprising to me dave you're talking about byfield you're talking about byfield like i don't think yeah. that la is going to trade byfield uh yeah. if they had, yeah, yeah, if they had their said velarde, choice of, i was like yeah exactly no, I mean, look, I, I don't disagree with you, but you also have to be aware, like, this is a negotiation, right? And this is why this is why you want Pat Brisson to be part of the game. This is why you want more. This is why you want this out in the media, quite frankly. And people are, like, getting sick and tired of hearing from insiders and saying, well, I don't want to hear this. Anymore. The reality is, from a Jets perspective, if you're a Jets fan, you want these guys spreading Colorado's in it. New York is in it. You want more. The more the merrier in this instance. Because that only can drive up the price for Pierre-Luc Dubois. If it's only Montreal and then L.A. and they are a little tepid, they're, they're dipping their toe in, your return isn't as significant. But if you can somehow convince the world that the Emperor is wearing clothes, you know, that, that the New York Rangers are interested, that the Boston Bruins are interested, if I'm Kevin Dayoff, then, when I'm talking to Rob Blake in L.A., I get to say, well, Boston is interested. You know, the New York Rangers are interested. It's not just Rob Blake knowing, well, look, Montreal's going to offer you nothing. So you're going to take what I mean, you know, these B-level prospects and uninteresting, you know, uh, an uninteresting trade from your perspective. And he's going to have to up his ante potentially. And look, as he's right, Pierre-Luc Dubois is an established center. You can say what he, look, I I don't think he's a $9 million center personally. I don't think he's close to a $9 million center, but I think that he is. I mean, it it actually makes me sick to my stomach to think a guy who had 63 points is worth $9 million in the NHL. Well, also, how can you, if you're Montreal, how can you sign him to more than Nick Suzuki, right? Like, I know people in Montreal like Dubois, and they like the idea of having that size and skill up the middle, Dave, but you're right. I mean, 
especially you know with Dubois' track record of being streaky, right? Let's mm-hmm. be honest here. Like he's a great player, but he's gone through stretches where he hasn't been a factor in games, right? So I, I think he's closer to that kind of seven to seven and a half million dollar range. Yeah, and I, look, I, I would just add quickly mm-hmm. as that I, look, it's not like. It's like anybody, you know, when Mark Shikley is your number one center and he's scoring all those goals and he's producing for the team and he's having that record-setting series against Nashville and he's only making $6 million, it's not like nobody else can sign a contract more significant than theirs. But you really have to say to yourself, like, I, it's great that that's what Pierre-Luc Dubois wants and maybe mm-hmm. a team will pay him that and maybe, you know, with the eight years, they can structure it in a way that it's, it's closer to that number, especially because the cap is expected to go up and so he may want to have it you know, in that, you know, with that perspective of, Hey, look in three years, maybe the cap goes up 5 million and I would have made more money. But again, so he's going to have to take, the team's going to have to expect that if the cap goes up, his number may be more reasonable based on two or three years. And that's something they'll have to eat in theory. And look, he's a young guy, he's turning 25. So it's not as if, you know, even if you sign him to an eight year deal, 33 is is still reasonable. If you're going to have this guy for what are the best, prime years of his life. I mean, from a Jets perspective, again, I think it's about having that understanding when guys are in this situation and they have the ability to be UFA, there's still a lot of opportunity for you, especially with the way things have transitioned from Montreal or bust to now having the Kings become a front runner. I think that gives you a lot more uh, leverage to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for assets that you're looking for. I, I, there, there's no question that uh, the ability that the, that Pat Brisson, you know, being involved and potentially being a broker here for multiple teams, or or you know, he's only the I guess the broker for his agent, but involving multiple teams is a boon to the Winnipeg Jets. There's no question about it because had that not happened, had it been Montreal or bust, like you said, Dave, then the options for the Jets would have been significantly limited. They would have been a lot more up against the wall. And Chevy Kevin Chevaldeoff and the Jets organization. You know, isn't free and clear yet. Don't get me no. wrong; they're not. They're not. They're not home free. They're not uh, driving the bus on this one. Uh, they just have a little bit more uh, opportunity. They have a little bit more leverage to be able to uh, make this a little bit more palatable than it initially appeared a couple weeks ago when when this you know officially came to light that it's uh, that it's coming to this trade situation. It's it's important for the jets to be able to succeed on it but it's also you know you you have to you can't overplay your hand you still don't have a good hand here and you best not start getting arrogant thinking that right you know you have you have you know uh, this pocket twos i have is all of a sudden going to win me the big pot it's not going to make the deal you can the best deal you can in my estimation as quickly as you can pocket twos actually isn't that bad in texas hold'em you know that drew but i thought you were going to say like 10 6 off suit or something like that but no, uh I mean, pocket- the point was point was well made drew but yeah I, I, and i hate to beat a dead horse here guys but like i keep going back to la and is philip to not the perfect return yes. for pierre luc dubois like 30 years old he has i think four years left on his contract or at least three years left on his contract but to me he's like the antidote to Mark Shifley, right? Like great offensive player, but also a great two-way center, right? So I, I don't think LA, at least the way Dennis Bernstein was talking uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk, it doesn't, it seems like they like Kopitar and Deneau one-two up the middle. And then I guess that makes Pierre-Luc Dubois a third-line center, or maybe that makes Philip Deneau their third-line center. Most likely it would be the latter, right? But mm-hmm. I just think that's the type of player 
that I think you want to be getting, right? I talked about this uh, two or three weeks ago, right, boys? Like, you want a guy that has some term, and you want some guy, if he doesn't have the term, you want some guy that has some team control. So that's why a guy like Gabe Velarde, I think, is really intriguing. But again, I mean, you have that hole up the middle. Cole Perfetti has the ability to play center, but he's been used at, at the wing, on the wing primarily in the NHL, right? So I think, you know, when you're talking about L.A., there's a lot of possibilities, but it's tough to really ha- know with certainty who the Jets are after. I mean, I think you can, you know, kind of eliminate a process of elimination who Chevy is asking for. It's most likely one of, you know, Byfield, Velarde, or Philip Deneau. He's obviously, you know, not going to be asking for Doughty or, or Kopitar, as we talked about. But LA is an interesting one. And I, and I go back to Montreal, and I wonder, you know, if anything has tr- changed with Kent Hughes' offer. Right. Because we've talked about it so many times. Like there's only so many players mm-hmm. that the Habs can trade. They're a young team, right? Like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are signed long term. They're not going anywhere. Right. I mean, the, the Jets aren't asking for uh, you know, Josh Anderson for Pierre Luc Dubois, unless Anderson was part of a package. But I really but do let me think- tell you, as I guarantee you they were thinking about Montreal was saying, We'll give you Josh Anderson. We've only been trying yeah. to get rid of him for years. Take Josh Anderson. And he's a, a decent, decent, player, a decent for power years. forward, but I mean, you need, again, I go back to what we've been talking about for basically two months now, right? You're going to have a huge hole up the middle without Pierre-Luc Dubois, and who's going to fill that hole? Are you going to replace him in free agency? Because we haven't seen the Jets dip into the free agency waters a lot to sign centers, right? So right now, I mean, a, a Pierre-Luc Dubois deal seems imminent, uh, but it's all speculation. And it's fun for us guys to talk about this, but... Uh, it's just really, I, I feel like a lot of people are just, you know, putting 10 players on a wheel and spinning it. And then whichever, you know, however the wheel lands, you know, they're picking that player. So, um, yeah, Brant Clark is a really promising defenseman, uh, right shot defenseman, but I don't think the Kings want to trade him at all. No, I mean, look, the, the, no, the Kings have so much young talent. They have a ton of young talent, but it's incumbent. I mean, they're not going to trade. I think some of their bigger names. I don't think they're trading Quinton Byfield. I don't think they're trading Brand Clark. So if the Jets can do a Gabe Velarde plus a contract, you know, but not not a contract that is you know a terrible contract that doesn't also work within your 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 team and work within your roster. You so still have to I, sign Gabe Velarde too, right? Right, but he's an RFA and and everything else. So I mean, yes, you have to sign him, but hopefully you would uh, you know, you'd be able to do that. I mean, I think when the Jets when the Jets traded Jacob Truba, they had to sign Neil Pionk, if you remember. He was uh he was I think that's when he signed a two-year he was an RFA too. Yeah. He was an RFA. So I mean, again, let's assume for argument's sake that they'll be able to sign whomever they acquire from from los angeles yeah but you know again i, I agree with you as if i don't i don't think that la is all of a sudden going to trade you philip to know as well as gabe velarde but if they can trade you you know gabe velarde and victor arvidson well then the jets might have something that's beginning to resemble a workable top nine yes they're thin up the middle still or you're hoping that you know velarde can uh, step in and, and and play a significant role up the middle when he hasn't necessarily been able to do so at the NHL level just yet. But, you know, at least you're getting some NHL caliber players back to solidify that top nine group. And maybe you go more Kraken style where you're instead of having sort of the, the upper echelon, you're more just balanced all throughout your roster, Dave. 
Yeah, and I, and I think yeah, that's that's a good point, Drew. And we've seen that work in Seattle. And look, their their farm club right now is uh, in their first year in the AHL. Is right now in the finals against the Hershey Bears. I believe they're up two two games to one. They may have played last night. I'm not 100 percent certain. So so Seattle's cooking. And Drew, sorry, you just you took down that comment, but I wanted to highlight it because it, I think it's an important one. I think it's an important point that our good friend Turd Ferguson is making. Yes. And because he, he says, of course, they don't want to trade their best prospects. LOL. But if you want to get into the class of the West, I it, I do what you have to do. You have only so many chances to get the brass ring. And I think it's a good point. And I think the fact of the matter is, if you want to have Kopitar, Deneau, and Dubois up the <laughs> middle, which is going to be a hell of a one, two, three punch, whatever, however you configure it, yeah. then, then you are going to have to trade the big asset. You are going to have to, you know, if that's what you want. If you want to be able to defeat the Edmonton Oilers when you play them and, and have that that depth up the middle that would make you a, an enviable team to play against next or unenviable I should say sorry clean team to play against next season then that is something that you're going to have to consider and again that is why if you're Kevin Shevel day off I, as much as Jets fans don't like hearing from the insiders spilling these little nugs here there and everywhere that's why you want to hear you know oh Boston's now in the ring because suddenly now LA who doesn't want to trade their A prospect says, well, maybe we got to trade our A prospect because Boston's in the mix and we really want this player to help put us over the edge. Because again, ultimately, LA's got Dowdy and they've got Kopitar. Yeah. And they know that this is kind of like, they have to decide, is do they want to give these guys one last shot and help, you know, do something that's going to help put them over the edge, right? As right. And maybe they feel like, you know, that with the, with the signing of Gavrikov and with uh, uh, Corpus Allo and Nett and Copley, who, I mean, good guys, Copley was good for them last year. He helped. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how many games he ended up playing last season. For that's LA. why I don't think they're going to resign Corpus Allo. And apparently they do really want to sign Gabe Velarde, right? So that's the issue here. Like we're talking about, right? Like yeah. we're talking about these players, but the Kings want to keep these players. Right. And so, yeah, getting Pierre-Luc Dubois, as Dave talks about, makes you prob probably have the best center depth, similar to the Jets up the middle, right? When they had mm -hmm. Shifley, Stastny, Lowry, Little, right? If you have Kopitar, Philip Deneau, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, one, two, three, that's pretty incredible, right? It's incredible. But you have to give up Gabe Velarde. Yeah. Gabe Velarde is a great player, right? And he he just had his career season. So, again, I think Dave's right. I think if there are other teams that are seriously in it, and we know Chevy's been talking to teams, right? Like he's been talking to the Kings. He's been talking to, obviously, the Habs. And, you know, you wonder how there could be a team that we haven't been talking about, right? Because apparently the report is that Pierre-Luc Dubois has fought. Pardon me? There's always a dark horse team that, that exactly can come out of the right. Woodwork. So again, it's fun for us to talk about, and it's fun for Jets fans to speculate about the PLD for Byfield trade. But uh, it's it's always a possibility that that Dubois is traded for a goaltender and Hellebuck is traded for a center. I guess, mm -hmm. um, but again, it's all speculation at this point. But one thing is for sure, guys, the clock is ticking. Right, like the draft is only ten days away, and we're going to be previewing the draft later with Craig. But I mean, it's. You know, it, it's time to make that move if you're Chevy. The time is, you're absolutely right, Ezzy. The time is, the, you know, the time is quickly running through the hourglass and uh, he'll have to bleep or get off the pot before we know it. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press is up next. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on a Saturday morning. Bottom of hour number one. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. We're pleased to welcome to the program from the Queen City of Regina. He's the king of all media. 
media. I don't think that's been taken by anyone else before. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us on the program. Mike, good morning. Is there any truth to the rumor that Janarian Grant is still dodging Rough Riders tacklers on his way back to the end zone? First of all, guys, uh, Howard Stern says hello. <laughs> hey, he, now. I think he lays claims to the uh, to the the title of king of all media, but I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I like the I like the king and the queen analogy there. The Bombers have been the kings of this Prairie rivalry, eight straight wins, uh, and yeah, Janarian Graham. My goodness, uh, uh, he dodged uh, seemingly every tackle out there. Uh, teammates were talking last night about they thought he stiff armed every single player on the field. It was uh, it was a run for the ages for sure, and. What a what an emotional kind of few moments after the fact to see if it would stand. Um, I, I don't obviously cover a ton of football. I was coming off the bench for this one, guys. Uh, a short yardage situation to fill in for for Hammer and Taylor, who had uh, other things on the third stringer, if you will. But I, I I don't know that I've seen in my football watching over my life where a penalty flag on a punt return gets challenged by the team that scored and then overturned. Like it was a pretty remarkable series of events. And uh, really when you look at how the game was playing out last night, it was the, the proverbial TSN turning point, right? It, it was a close game gets broken open. And then the bombers were kind of just like Janarian grant off and running, but yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch uh, live, I guess, unless you were one of the 29,000 plus wearing a watermelon helmet and a green jersey inside Mosaic. They, they didn't enjoy that nearly as much, I'm sure, as Bomber fans. Yes, and our, our heart weeps for them, undoubtedly. <laughs> uh, Mike, obviously, uh, we, we could talk a lot about the Bombers, but that would be a little bit uh, odd given our, our topic of du jour, usually. Let me, by the, here, let me jump in. That would be the illegal block Football Nicely show done. Well done. Excellent. You brought it all back together. You know, the, you know, the very, very punny. Well done. That's that. That's why you are the the, the king of the all media. author, the king of all media, and the author of such fine prose. Well, we are uh, not. Uh, how about that, uh, Mike? Uh, talk about the Jets. I mean, it's now the cup final is done. The cup has been awarded. Congratulations to Vegas. I want to start with your column from earlier this week where you very much so compared and contrasted the uh, approaches taken by the Vegas Golden Knights versus the approach taken by the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, you, you highlighted and you emphasized that not all players in the league have no move clauses that prevent them from getting traded to Winnipeg or prevent them from coming to Winnipeg. You know, from the Jets' perspective, I mean, you've been vocal about this. We've been vocal about this, that the organization just seems to be too happy to be there as opposed to really trying to grab the the cup on, on a yearly basis. Is, is it time for a rethink to their approach? Don't I mean, every team in the league drafts and develops. Every right. team has the right to pick in the first round, assuming they don't trade their pick away. You know, is it time for that sort of the Jets to almost get more aggressive and think more outside the box in how they, and how they approach roster building. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And that was the main point of my column. Look, Winnipeg will never be Vegas in terms of, uh, um, you know, some of the, the 
off ice appeals for uh, for fans and for for players, quite frankly, uh, who maybe have a choice of where they go. Mike, but it's time for you to go to McPhillip Street Station and spend a little more time at the casino. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, it is. And I have spent a little bit of time in my younger years uh, at the McPhillip Street Station. Um, playing the horse racing game, by the way. I'm not I'm not a big That was a good other. game. I love, that, I love that horse racing game. Yeah. yeah, that was a good fun game back in the day. For sure. And uh, when it comes to the the NHL horse race, the Jets are kind of proverbial uh, uh, also rans. Um, you know, and it was interesting to me because you have two guys in Shovel Day Off and Kelly McCrimmon who share a ton in common. Like these guys go way back to the WHL days. They both played for the Wheat Kings. They're both Saskatchewan guys. Um, they now both have Stanley Cups. Kevin Shoveldayoff won one as an assistant in Chicago. Now Kelly McCrimmon is kind of the lead guy in Vegas. But, you know, how they approach their jobs couldn't be more different. Kevin Shoveldayoff is the very patient, you know, very, very safe kind of moves. If you look at his trades he's made over his career, they're usually trades that were forced by situation, not necessarily trades you know, big swings. And look, Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights as an extension, they've they've taken countless big swings. And have there been some misses? Absolutely. Uh, but it just seems their mindset is all about winning. There's no loyalty. It's cold-blooded. I said it's they run their, their business like the mob. <laughs> Whereas the Jets, the Jets kind of come across more as a mom-and-pop shop. Um. And, you know, again, I get that there's challenges Winnipeg may have in, in finding certain players, uh, but I, I just think a more aggressive mindset would absolutely um, be the way to go. And you know what, guys? Maybe we're going to see it this summer, not necessarily because that's how they drew it up, but because they have no other choice, um, you know, but to if they have to move the players we think they're moving, um, it, it is a, a big kind of reset that's coming and it'll be interesting to see just how how aggressive Kevin Shoveldayoff is. Okay, Mike, so it's time for speculation station. All the rumors are out there right now with the LA Kings, right? Like Elliot Friedman, you saw that, um, you know, that LA is really, you know, on the tail of, of Pierre-Luc Dubois and you hear the names, right? Quinton Byfield, Gabe Velarde. I mean, do you think that... Luke Robitaille? <laughs> exactly. Luke Robitaille, as far as his, not only was he one of the best left wingers in history, he's got a good relationship with Pat Brisson, right? So it's, it's good on you to bring that up. But do you think Pierre-Luc Dubois is a member of the Jets by the time the, the first round of the draft starts? Because it sure seems like a trade is imminent here. I don't think he's a member of the Jets when the first round starts. And, you know, the fact that they didn't um, file for team elected arbitration the other day was an interesting sign because that would have taken the offer sheet potential, but it seems to me the Jets, they clearly aren't concerned about that. Now, is that because they don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois would sign the kind of offer sheet that would, with Montreal, for example, that would completely box them into a corner? There's been the talk about, you know, anything around 6.4, right? And that would uh, only bring a, a first and a third back and, and then the Jets couldn't trade him. But clearly that's not a concern. And I think that is because they are far down the road. What is interesting, of course, is the idea that it's not just Montreal or bust. And that's a great development for the Jets, if it's true. To be frank, guys, I 
wondered, and I guess part of me still wonders, if it is, isn't still Montreal or bust, and a lot of this is just a smokescreen, but I guess if even if that's the case, if the end result is a bluff, if you will, that is driving the return up, um, if Montreal, for example, feels like, oh my goodness, we might not get this guy that wants to play for us and that we want, we better up our offer. I mean, if the end result benefits the Jets, then I, I, that's a good thing, clearly. But yeah, it, it just seems the writing is is on the wall and it's inevitable that in the next, I guess, 12 days as we sit here, 12 days until the, uh, or, or 11 days, I guess now, until the first round of the draft, um, we're, we're going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois on the move. And the question now really is, is it Montreal? Is it Los Angeles? Is there another team? Certainly a team like the Rangers have been talked about as well. Um, so for sure, uh, just seems like a matter of time. Mike McIntyre, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on this Saturday morning. Mike's appearance is brought to you by our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, and Zappia Group Realty. Well, Mike, you talk about the Jets' hand being forced, and last week we were on air, and uh, Le Pierre LeBron released, well, Pierre LeBron, Michael Russo, and Eric DeHatchik. So I'm not sure which of those three's nugget this was specifically, but they it's said... A triple byline. Exactly. And I quote, there should be no confusion about whether Hellebuck has interest in signing an extension in Winnipeg. That ship has sailed. His next contract will be with a new team. So, Mike, put on your Kevin Shevel Day off hat. I don't know what kind of hat he wears. Hopefully, it's an illegal curve one. Fedora. But whatever kind of hat he's wearing. Probably more of a silly a- hat guy, I think. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think be- he's not like an Adam Lowry shop at a haberdashery kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, whatever hat you're wearing to think like Kevin Shevel Day off, are you doing that in advance? Like that, because that's a big one. Oh, Expos. Oh, like beauty. Oh, that's go. a beauty. So you've got your hat that's on now. Luke Dubois, Montreal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was supposed to be on for Ezzy's uh, question, not mine. But maybe you think that he's going to go out to Quebec. I don't know. But anyways, what do you think the Jets are going to have to do? Because, it, you know, you're talking about their hands being tied. They obviously, that's a big that's a big trade option for, for or a big trade chit, if you will, for Kevin yeah. Shevel Day off uh, and the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and I mean, if you're the Jets, look, you, you don't, I guess, absolutely have to trade Connor Hellebuck right now. He is under contract for one more year, whereas Pierre-Luc Dubois is an RFA who needs a new deal. But if you're the Jets, are you really going into next season knowing that uh, you're not re-signing Hellebuck because he doesn't want to re-sign? Um, are you going in and then, what, moving him at the trade deadline? But then what happens if you're the Jets and you're comfortably in a playoff spot at the trade deadline? Are you trading your Vesna, you know, caliber goaltender now in, in what would be seen as like a, a dump, a sell? Um, you know, it, it would create potentially a bizarre situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we all heard Connor Hellebuck at the year exit meetings and, um, he's unlike say Pierre-Luc Dubois, who seems to have always kind of had his mind on not staying here very long. That wasn't always the case with Connor Hellebuck. And I really think Connor Hellebuck, if, if things have had, had gone the way he would have liked in recent years, Connor Hellebuck would be a jet for life because at the end of the day, it's not so much about who's signing his paychecks or what city he's living in. Um, it's about what organization is taking a run at a Stanley Cup. And I think, you know, they got so close 
to getting to the big dance in 2018. And then since then, um, they've won one playoff round. And I think Connor Hellebuck, who very candidly said, I, you know, I'm running out of time. Um, and so that's why I, I don't think we're going to see Connor Hellebuck like go to a, a team that is a few years away from being a few years away. Like he's not ch- chasing the money. It's not a money situation. I suspect the Jets would open the vault. It just is kind of another indictment like we've seen from several players who've come and gone. Paul Stasny, I want to go to a contender. Um, the writing seems to be on the wall that the guys that are here, core guys, they don't see the Winnipeg Jets as competing for a Stanley Cup anytime soon. And so they want to go somewhere that is. And Connor Hellebuck, you know, given all that he's accomplished, that's the one trophy that he really wants to get his hands on. And so I'm not surprised. And again, uh, does it happen before the draft? Not necessarily, but a, a Connor Hellebuck trade seems inevitable. Mike, given the way the season ended for the Winnipeg Jets and the sniping back and forth and the players led by Blake Wheeler refusing to take what I would describe as acceptable accountability for the Game 5 performance, how can the Jets bring Blake Wheeler back into that dressing room with Rick Bonus still as head coach, or from your perspective, is Wheeler done here in Winnipeg? And it's just a matter of time now until that becomes official. Well, I, I really thought we'd seen the last of Blake Wheeler. In fact, I would have put the odds at about 98% after the season, but I must say guys, some of the things that have kind of happened since, mm-hmm. um, the team nominating for the King Clancy, Blake Wheeler this very weekend being on a fishing fishing trip trip with fans. Blake Wheeler is set to play in the Manitoba Open in August. And, oh, did you see the contest that was announced the other day? Yes. Um, You know, behind the scenes with Blake Wheeler at a game next year. Like, he's he's being trotted out as as the the face of the team still. And... So, you know, is this all is this all a, you know, player subject to change? I, I think the fishing trip had that little uh, addendum, but the player didn't change. It's still Blake Wheeler. Um, so I don't I, I really don't know, guys. I mean, it, it would seem to be a foolish move. And, you know, almost as or maybe more concerning than the whole bonus versus Wheeler year end stuff was what we heard from many players after Blake Wheeler, who who still referred to him as the pseudo-captain of this team, as the alpha dog, as the leader. Um, and to me, if you're really trying to shift the culture and change the room, as long as Blake Wheeler is still in that room, it, it seems like that is not going to happen. And so what do they ride it out for one more year with him? It's certainly starting to look that way. Um, and you know, I, I'm probably more around 50 50 now. Whereas, like I said, a few weeks ago, I would have been absolutely he's done, whether it's a buyout or a trade where they eat salary, he's not coming back. But uh, I'm starting to wonder. Well, we, we say because we hear it from other players who've left, that there's a problem in the room. Do you think that the management of the Jets 
think there's a problem in the room because whatever we say and whatever we think and whatever we hear from others, they, they wear such blinders yeah. really all the time that maybe they still think, you know, that they are the meme of the, the house on fire and the dog sitting in, 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 in the, on the ta- uh, at the table. Despite the fact that presumably they've now had a third different coach who has reported back to management and ownership about what he's seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and look, we heard Rick bonus. This was a guy who in very short time was at his wits end with some of these guys. And was he, was he blasting Blake Wheeler for the playoffs? Of course not. Blake Wheeler actually had a really good playoffs for the jets. He, Blake Wheeler is one of the few guys that kind of looked like he gave a damn and, and was leaving it all out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rick bonus is around this team way more than any of us, obviously, and sees and hears things we don't, I can't imagine that they would be immune to what seems so, so apparent to all of us and anybody that follows this team. Um, but I don't know. I mean, is this is this is it more an indictment of Mark Shifley? Like, do they think if they move Mark Shifley this summer and bring Blake Wheeler back that that it's going to be a different kind of room? Um, I, I don't know. It's like so much with this organization, you uh, you're really left to wonder if if everyone's on the same page and if everyone's watching the same thing that, that you are. You're just getting away from the Jets here, Mike, for a second. You're rocking the rocking the Spose hat. Obviously, the Spose left in early 2000. Drew would know the exact year, maybe 2004, 2005. I forget the exact year, but we got to talk about the the Winnipeg Ice because obviously that this was a story that you had reported on, um, and you know weren't able to get clarity in terms of the arena situation, the ownership situation, and obviously super disappointing news for Winnipeg sports fans, right? Especially fans of, of junior hockey, specifically WHL hockey. And I think you'd agree that, you know, coming off of a year in which they almost got to the Memorial Cup, if it wasn't for the Seattle Thunderbirds, they would have won the WHL championship. You had set, you know, Zach Benson, top 10 prospect for the 2023 draft. Connor Geeky, first round pick. I mean, the, the list of high-end prospects that the ice had were, I mean, it was a big list, right? In your opinion, is this just a situation where, the ownership wasn't able to figure out how to build a new arena. Like it just seems like, you know, it's, this was such an opportunity wasted. And and a year ago, I don't think many people saw this coming, you know, the ice leaving after four years for Washington. Well, first of all, Ezzy, I, I know you've been accused at times of being in the dark, um, <laughs> but you're really taking it to a new level today. I assume it's as I'll just move a little bit. Hold on. Dude. I, there we go. I recognize, the, I recognize the voice, but uh, it was hard is that to better. See. Yeah, no, better. go back to the dark. It was better the other way. There we go. And where'd your beard go, Ezzy? It's a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I shaved it off, Mike. It's a, it's a little. Uh, actually, it's not that bad out here, but it's a little overcast in Lactobani. Clearly, um, yeah. I mean, it, it it talk about things that seemed inevitable. It's kind of the worst kept secret, I think. And we we had heard in in the last few weeks that like employees with the team had been told, go find other jobs. Um, but nobody was talking. I mean, there were there was a rumor a week or so ago that actually the Vancouver Canucks were interested in, in acquiring the ice and, and perhaps trying their own version of a three-headed hockey monster. Uh, you know, they already own the Canucks, obviously, in the Abbotsford Heat. 
Um, but I guess if there was a surprise, it's where the ice have moved. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the city. Uh, Washington State. That's all you need to say. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a, a surprise in where they ended up. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, that's a great uh, comment by Wrench Doozer. Ezzy in the podcast protection program. I like it. I've assumed a different identity. Yes. <laughs> um. But, you know, it, it is unfortunate because they obviously brought an exciting brand of hockey and these were kind of the glory days for that organization. Like we saw a lot of great young players that we're going to see probably for years in the NHL. Um, and, you know, they they had a what ended up being their swan song was over 11,000 fans watching those two playoff games against the Thunderbird. That and I wrote I wrote at the time of that playoff series. I wondered if that opened the door to some kind of partnership potentially with True North. And, you know, for all those people that say, well, why didn't, why wouldn't True North let them play in the rink or why, you know, it, it, they're competitors. The, yeah. the ice were trying to compete with the Manitoba Moose. And so, of course, you know, it, it would be like Coke helping out Pepsi. Um, but, you know, I think they, they, they found some synergy to make that, that one-time kind of deal work. But it wasn't probably going to work in the long run. And at the end of the day, um, the promises made when when they moved here four years ago of building a standalone facility never came to fruition. And so they couldn't keep playing in a building where 1,800 fans was going to be the max. Um, that was less than what they were drawing, um, you know, before they moved here. So I, I think we all knew they were running out of time. And it's unfortunate for sure because... Um, you know, I think there is a market for that kind of hockey in this city. And unfortunately, uh, it, it no longer exists. And Mike, going back to the to the Jets and, and the summer ahead for the organization, and we can talk about the on-ice responsibilities, but there's off-ice responsibilities as well. I mean, before the playoffs began, they unveiled their big marketing campaign to get yeah. some 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 fans back in the seats. You're seeing a lot of advertising right now from the Jets. I mean, I think one of the things that people tend to forget with the COVID years is that there was a disconnect between the team, the players being in the community. We're seeing a development camp for the first time in four seasons. I think that goes a long way to, you know, allowing fans to connect with the young prospects and seeing them up close and personally right after the draft. But from an organization's perspective, while you're out there trying to galvanize your base and you're trying to, you know, get those fans to buy season tickets, pony up their dollars. I think people will do that, even if the team is taking a, quote, step back and retooling. But do you not think that it's incumbent on the organization from Kevin Day off to put out the vision, put out, he doesn't have to play, lay his cards out to the other GM and say, this is exactly the moves I plan on making. But don't you think there's an organizational responsibility when you're trying to sell the game to the fans that we have a vision, we have a plan? Oh, absolutely, Dave, especially in a hockey savvy market like like we have in Manitoba, the fans are not stupid. Mm -hmm. They see what's going on. And the fact of the matter is when, when the GM of the team speaks a total of four times during an entire season from training camp to exit day, which is how many times Kevin Sheveldayoff spoke when the owner and chairman never speaks about hockey matters. Um, 
I mean, Mark Chipman's made a couple of recent appearances to talk about downtown revitalization and the Portage Place deal, um, but you never see him talk about the hockey team that he's heavily involved with. And for viewers out there, guys, that's not for a lack of trying on the media's <laughs> part. Uh, believe me, um, that's the way they they want it. That's the way they like it. And maybe that worked when the team was selling itself and the building was always full, win or lose. I don't know that that works in 2023 when we're coming off a year with an average of 1,300 plus empty seats every game. And like you said, Dave, what is the vision and long-term plan? Um, and so, you know, I, I, I agree. I think we should be hearing that. And look, I have no doubt we might hear from Kevin Chevaldeoff four times this summer alone, just because there's probably going to be a bunch of moves that necessitate where the GM kind of has to talk, right? Um, you know, we'll hear from him, obviously, coming up at the draft if we don't hear from him sooner because he's moved Pierre-Luc Dubois or another player. Um, but I think, you know, the next time we do hear from him, it, I, I'd expect to hear a lot of questions from myself and, and media colleagues about the vision and the plan. And I think that's a theme that is going to continue here for the foreseeable future because it's incumbent on the Jets to share with their market, with their consumers, what exactly they're, they're doing here. Mike, last question for you. What's more likely? It's We're rapidly approaching the date where, where Mark Shifley could sign a contract extension. From your perspective, what's more likely? That contract extension gets signed in Winnipeg or he gets traded away from the Winnipeg Jets? I do think it's more likely he gets traded away from the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, part of me wonders, unlike, say, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I suspect the Jets would absolutely... If, if he wanted to commit here long-term, the Jets would be all in on that. Same with Connor Hellebuck. I, I'm not as convinced that that's the mindset with Mark Shifley. Now, I'm sure, again, we talk about the loyalty of True North. There's no question there would be some who would love the idea of, of Mark Shifley being a lifer, a guy that, you know, their first ever draft pick of the 2.0 era. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, we go back to, management and ownership and whatnot, maybe being aware of issues. We saw, you know, issues again with Mark Shifley last season. Now with a third different coach, I guess a fourth different coach, if you go back to, to uh, uh, Claude Noel, although Mark Shifley wasn't really uh, in the fold on, on any kind of regular basis back then. But, you know, we saw Rick Bonus, and there's no question that a lot of Rick Bonus's frustration was over Mark Shifley. You know, he benched him that game. I think we were in Carolina for that. Um, and, you know, it seemed to be at his wit's end. So I got to think Rick Bonus has been in the ear of Kevin Shoveldayoff, probably saying, like, this just isn't working. Now, is there, and we've heard teams like Carolina linked to Mark Shifley. And I do wonder, like, would a guy like Rod Brindamore be good for Mark Shifley? Is, is a change of scenery maybe best for everybody here? Um and, and so I, I do think it's more likely, guys, that just like probably Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck, Mark Shifley has played his last game as a Winnipeg Jet. Uh, but again, you don't have to necessarily move him right away. You could hold on. He's, he is under contract one more year. 
We talk about the trade deadline. Could you get more from Mark Shifley at the trade deadline or as much maybe as you would now? Um, you know, again, unlike Pierre-Luc Dubois because of his age and the idea that he only wanted to go to Montreal, I don't know if there's the same urgency with Shifley in terms of finding a fit right now. Maybe you could be a little more patient, but uh, yeah, it, it's just one of the many, many, many uh, questions surrounding this team that maybe we'll start to get some answers between now and two weeks from now when uh, free agent frenzy kicks off. This has the chance, guys, to be two of the biggest weeks in Jets history when we look back, you know, July 1 or July 2 on where we were versus where we are. Uh, it could be seismic, absolutely. I, I lied, Mike. I got one more for you. Yes. You mentioned Rick Bonus and, you know, the frustration that's evident on his face at various times throughout last year and the fact that you presumably would think that his message is being sent up the ladder at True North. But if those changes don't come to fruition, if his words fall on deaf ears, could you foresee a situation where he takes a proverbial walk in the snow and decide that he doesn't need this and the Jets could theoretically be looking for another head coach at a very unexpected juncture of the of the offseason? I'd like to think it would be more of a walk in the fallen <laughs> leaves, Ezzy, because we better not have snow on the ground by the time the season starts this year. Um but sure, I mean, look, I asked Rick Bonus after when he met with us, you know, after the players had kind of ripped him publicly. And, and I said flat out, like, why are you coming back? And I mentioned like, because I, I really wondered. It wasn't just a question for the sake of a question. At that point, I, I really was wondering, why don't you just when, go retire? Like, it's got to be way less stressful than dealing with with what must feel like a bit of a nursery school at times <laughs> in this environment, you're, you're almost whatever, 69 years old. You had health issues this year with COVID. Like, why do you need this? And Rick bonus gave a very impassioned answer about how much, you know, he loves the game and being around it. And, and I get that it's infectious. It's hard to walk away from that being said, I got to think that <clears throat> if, if, you know, what, if how last year ended, if there's more of the same on top to start, I, I, I don't know. I, I got to think if you're Rick Bonus, you'd be reevaluating your lot in life and, and you know, maybe looking for uh, the, the exit door. That being said, I don't think he's a quitter per se. I, I think, you know, he's a guy who's seen a lot over his lifetime and his, his hockey career. Does he think that he could, you know, uh, find another way with, with the same group? Maybe. I mean, there's there's no question the Jets for a few months last year anyways, they were flying pretty high. And then it all fell apart because so many bad habits crept in, um, you know, and, and players reverted to doing the sorts of things that drive coaches in, you know, just up the wall. So we'll see. Um, but it's another potential kind of subplot here. Uh, if, if they do try and run it back, I, I just think, guys, we're not likely to be dealing with that situation because I, I just find it hard to believe that they would be able to try and run it back. To me, that would almost be malpractice, you know, given the state of, of affairs right now. 
Mike McIntyre is a columnist with the Winnipeg Free Press. He also write a game story or two, as he did last night in Regina, covering the Bombers defeating the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Mike, thanks for this. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you again real soon, buddy. You bet, guys. Take care. And Mike, hold on. Just before you go here, keep your schedule open second, maybe third week of July after free agency, after the draft for the first Illegal Curve Invitational out here at Granite Hills because we got Jay Bell who's interested and uh, we'll get Dave out here. Maybe Drew, if you want to do five, but first, for I've, sure, heard me, first you, I've heard of it. <laughs> me, you, Jay and Dave will hit up Grant. Okay. I like it guys. I like it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm wide open. I'm at your disposal. There you go. Kenny, we've not invited though. No matter what. Kenny, Kenny <laughs> no, he's not too good. He's too good. We need guys that we need a bunch of sandbaggers. <laughs> That's right. We need guys who want the beer part of the thing more, more right. than anything. Ruben, want to say hi to Mike? Mike thank you. Oh, my kids involved now. And everybody watching. (laughs) Bye, Mike. Thank you, buddy. You just brought the average age of this group down about 25 (laughs) years, I think. Yeah, Yeah, Ruben's turning four pretty soon. Two more months. There you go. Bye, Mike. Thanks. Bye. There he goes, Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. When we come back, more Jets talk. We'll cover Connor Hellebuck. More on Pierre. Shifley, Wheeler, Ruben, hopefully not Ezra. Drew and Dave, it's Saturday morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh. 
making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytic. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you on this beautiful Saturday morning. I'll be honest, I have no idea if it's beautiful out or not, but let's assume it beautiful is. Beautiful out here in the Eastman region, I can tell you that. Okay, well, then I got some thumbs up and some uh, affirmations that it is beautiful indeed, so that's always good to hear. Reminder, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends Rady of the Rady JCC, Bethway, and Tough Duck. The Rady JCC Sports Dinner goes this coming Monday. Chris Chelios, Jeremy Roenick, Ed Belfort, and all three members of Illegal Curve will be live in person if you haven't already got your tickets get them now literally time is running out to see those three legendary members of the chicago blackhawks tickets available radyjcc.com we're gonna be there come say hi to us if you happen to be there as well ginsburg will be the clean shaven one but uh, speaking of somebody i got i got i ran into a celebrity yesterday guys if, I, if you don't mind if i have a second here i can show off the celebrity that I was able to run into while I was on the golf course yesterday. Let's see if this works. Hopefully it will. Maybe it won't. I don't know. My screen's not there. Look at that. Look at that handsome wow. man I ran into yesterday. Look Fancy. at all that handsomeness on one picture. I happened to be on the golf course yesterday. Look who I stumbled upon. None other than Spency himself. Spency the man, the myth, the legend. Exactly. The man, the myth, the legend. It was great. I, I have, it's the first time I've had the opportunity to meet Spency in person. And so I certainly could not pass up that opportunity. But look Where's at that. Where's Spencer, man. though? He's met, he's met two of the three members of Illegal Curve, but not the one. I was going to say, I'm, I, it's, I'm a, it's a little bittersweet. You know, you sent us that picture yesterday afternoon. Uh, I don't know if you just mentioned that, but from Glendale Golf Course. Happy yeah. 70th birthday to Stuart Libel, by the way. Uh, yes. But I haven't met Spency yet, and he's my spirit animal. So, I mean, <laughs> Spency, we got to, you know what? I'm just going to send you my number, and we're going to go out and have some fun. Maybe go bowling, maybe go catch a, a movie, maybe go for a whole meal of food, whatever. But uh, love it, Drew. Love Spency. Big fan of, of the IC Hockey Show and Post Game Show, and more importantly, friend of the program. Well, you know, I I wasn't certain that it was, I thought it was him when I saw the big beard, but I'm like, hey, I was when I hollered over to him and, you know, both of us were clearly working hard. I don't want to say which one of the two of us was working harder than the other, but, you know, I hollered over to him like, I just want to make sure that he was the Spencer Sutton that, uh, that, that watches the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on, on the regular, and he was, so I had to uh, snap the photo, so it was great. Dave, that's almost like too much sexy man for one picture, you know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of handsomeness right there. There, there's there's a lot of handsomeness going on in that photo, but I had to share it with the audience because you never know when you're going to run into a real celebrity in the wild. Like I had the opportunity to yesterday and uh, and grab and uh, grab a photo. Spency is like the fourth member of the legal curve. Like Richie's gone now. He's you know he's got kids. He's a pro scout. Spency is now the the uh, the quad member of IC. Yeah, there you go. So I had to share that photo while we had a little brief interlude here on the program. Craig Button, of course, is still going to join us at the bottom of the hour. The NHL draft uh, coming up in about uh, 10 days, 11 days. Uh, first round coverage of the draft, of course, will be back here on our YouTube channel. Dave and Ezzy are going to drive the bus. And friends. That. 
and friends. What's and going on there, Drew? How come you're not doing it? You always host the draft show. What's happening? I do. Unfortunately, I have a, a family obligation that night that uh, has uh, inconveniently been scheduled without necessarily. No, 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 no. Not that at all. But uh, I have a family obligation. Maybe I'll be able to pop in for the last couple of picks. Uh, but We, we might send you the link, Drew, front. but don't bet on it. Yeah, okay, that's fine. You don't have to send me the link. I won't be able to answer it anyways. But uh, I know that it will be in the good hands of all you good folks. But we have a lot to get to and a lot to talk about before we get to uh, before we get to draft day Wednesday coming up. And of course, remember free agency. I love you too, Spency. Thanks for the money. Two dollars and seventy nine cents, by the way, is for Spency. He just bought me a big bite hot dog from Seven <laughs> Eleven. But, uh, of course, two weeks from today, the start of free agency, Canada, July 1st, wouldn't expect the Jets to be big players uh, on free agency. They rarely are. But, of course, we will still have the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live Canada Day, July 1st, 9 a.m. So join us before you start your uh, Canada Day celebrations in a couple of weeks. It's going to be time. Last year's Kentucky broadcast from the woods and from the darkness and the Rutger McGroarty uh, interview after the Jets took him in the first round and also all the drama with the first four picks right everybody remembers Shane Wright slipping to the Seattle Kraken but it's going to be fun I mean you're hearing comparisons it's funny Dave because you know we used to go to the drafts we haven't in a while Remus yeah. will be there so make sure you are uh, subscribed to Winnipeg Sports Talk and watching those guys all next week but the 2003 draft Last time it was in Nashville, we know how good that draft was with Eric Stahl, Patrice Bergeron. Pretty sure Zach Parise was that year. It was a really good draft. Well, and just quickly mentioning, since we're talking about the 2022 draft uh, briefly, we can uh, mention that Fabian Wagner, the Jets' yeah. sixth-rounder out of Sweden. Sweden, uh, coincidentally, where I think my brother will be tomorrow uh, for my niece's birthday. Can you birthday. leave him in Sweden? I can't, but he's okay. going. He's taking my niece. Shout out early. Happy birthday to Riley. Uh, for her birthday, they'll be there tomorrow. So, okay, right. um, but Fabian Wagner, the sixth rounder from 2022, he signed uh, his three-year ELC. He'll play in Sweden next year. It's interesting because you know uh, the Swedish Hockey Federation and the NHL signed a new agreement for um, for uh, like a player the transfer next, agreement. The transfer agreement for, yeah. for it's it's an eight-year agreement they signed in 2022, um, and essentially it means that guys. The, the age for anyone who's not a first round pick can be sent to the AHL, but anybody who's not essentially it's the idea is you're allowing them to develop in Sweden and not over here in North America. And so the age went from 21 to 24, but I, I mean, the team can be, you can ask the team to release them. And of course the player can be released. So uh, it, it's not a, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's just a, a way to kind of keep guys developing in, um, in Sweden. But regardless the, uh, the Swedish, I believe he's a winger. He might be a center, actually, as he, but he is, uh, is he a winger? Oh, he's a winger. Okay, as he's giving me the winger. So um, I think they might have had him. Him. He might play both. Well, it's funny because, no, no. Hockey DB has him listed as a center, but I'm pretty sure he plays both. I was going to say, because it's it's funny because as he was giving me the nod, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I could have sworn when I wrote about him. I read that it was a center, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not up to date with the Swedish Hockey League and what's going on over there as much as we do uh, focus here as he on, on some of the other leagues, but regardless uh, he signed and he's uh, and again, the more important th- the note that, that came from that was Jets development camp is back. So last year, of course, was the first year, the not first non COVID year that they were, they could have done it, but because of the um, world, the summer world juniors, 
they felt that there wasn't a need oh, to bring God. those guys in. Yeah, so okay. they, they, and of course they'd seen Daniel Torgerson, Henry Nicken at the end of the year with Moose. So they didn't necessarily feel the need to have a prospect camp this year. Of course, they're going to be doing it. And I think, like I said to Mike in my question to him, uh, I think it, it is a good way for fans to connect with their, these young prospects and for the young prospects to get familiar with the city. So I think it's an important uh, week here in Winnipeg coming up July 4th to the 8th. Let me ask you guys, we talked about it with Mike a few minutes back. Let me ask you guys, what do you think about the team sort of trotting out Blake Wheeler front and center the last uh, little bit for all a bunch of different promotions and a bunch of different uh, public relations, uh, you know, meet the players and blah, 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 fishing trips. He's on that fishing trip with Andrew Ladd and, and Wheeler on that fishing trip with a fan. When did the Jets reacquire Andrew Ladd, by the way? Like, I realized that Ladd was the former captain of the Jets, but it's kind of kind of random to see Andrew Ladd there. Obviously, Ladd and Wheeler are good buddies, and, and as I just mentioned, he was the former captain. But look, Drew, I mean... It de- it definitely doesn't make you think that the Jets are going to be buying him out, which a lot of people were speculating, right? You right. saw Oliver Ekman Larson was bought out by the Vancouver Canucks, right? So Jets fans were curious to see if maybe the Jets were going to buy Wheeler out. And, you know, we talked about it. I mean, the, the likelihood of that happening was, what, 50-50? I don't think, you know, you could say with certainty that the Jets were, were going to buy him out. That's a lot of money, right? And if you look at what Ekman Larson, by the way, He's going to get 17 or 18 million dollars, Dave, just to go play for another team, right? Because you got to assume, you I think know, it's OEL, actually 19, as he, yeah, so 19 million dollars. So that's a, a pretty nice buyout. And then obviously the Canucks get the cap space. But, um, back to what you were asking though, Drew, I mean, it certainly, you know, seems at this point that, you know, Wheeler's going to play out his last year with the Jets. And it didn't seem likely after the way the season ended, the Jets losing to the Golden Knights and all of the comments between him and Rick Bonus, right? So, I mean, he, he could obviously still be traded, but I don't know why you would be showcasing him this much at these events if you were going to trade him. The only silver lining I could think of, Ezzy, is that we've seen evidence of the hockey side and the business side not being on the same page for the Winnipeg Jets, where, you know, the, the business side is off doing things like the horrible launch of that season ticket campaign, and, and really they're not being a cohesive uh, a cohesive strategy or a cohesive plan involved because it is utterly bizarre to me that that you have Blake Wheeler in this in this position because I personally have been waiting for since you know the cup final ended and then the buyout window opens I've been sort of waiting for that announcement but now I'm not, I don't think it's necessarily coming and it's just such a it's such an inconceivable decision when it comes to Blake Wheeler and I don't, yeah. you know, look, and again, this is strictly based on not even his on ice performance anymore. It's just based on the fact that at a point in time, you need to turn the page. You need to move on. He's had his time here. You know, he can leave with his head up high. You know, he he's, he's carried himself with the utmost of dignity and class in terms of how he's interacted uh, and, and carried himself off the ice, you know, has his leadership style been in question? Sure. But you can't say that he hasn't given his all for this team, but it, it just needs to move on. And I've been saying this, I'm honestly week in and week out, yet mm-hmm. the organization just refuses to move on and close the book on this chapter of the Winnipeg Jets, Dave. No, I mean, look, I, I agree with you. I wasn't certain. Uh, I thought, well, it's a little unusual that he is literally departing for northern Manitoba to go on a fishing trip, and today's the day the bio window opens. And I thought, 
you know, that's going to make it a little bit uncomfortable. I don't think they'll probably do something like that. I mean, obviously Blake Wheeler lives in Winnipeg, so he is, or has a place, I should say, uh, year round here in Winnipeg and he's got kids. So the kids are probably still in school until this week, but, or next You're week coached but, against Blake Wheeler a year ago. But my no. point is that these guys, he's one of the guys who's soccer, stays in the by city. the way, we mentioned it was soccer. Yes. But he's one of the oh, guys hockey. who stays in the city and, and is available for these types of things. Like, like the fishing trip. And, and obviously a lot of this stuff is subject to change, but I, I, I look, I had a lot of people uh, send us via DM that the, the contest for the season, because mm-hmm. I thought, Look, you the players can decide he want they want him to be the King Clancy nominee or whatever whatever it's going to be, but the fact of the matter is that you know the the fact that they're doing a contest for next season uh for Blake Wheeler like that to me is it you don't do that by accident. You know, the Jets aren't some you know, the Jets aren't Apple. There's not 17,000 employees and nobody knows what's going on, right. you know, over here and over there and you're it's completely independent ships. So the fact of the matter is that, you know, something like that is run up the tree and it has to be decided. And I'm not saying Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to get involved in that sort of that sort of marketing campaign. Obviously, I don't think he is. But I, at the end of the day, you know, that has to go to someone who says, well, I'll, I'll check with so-and-so to see if that's a feasible option. Right. Clearly, they said it is. And again, that can always change. It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, this, that, or the, it doesn't have to be. It's not locked in stone, but it definitely creates more of a uh, a disbelief that that you're moving on from number 26. And again, I'm on record as saying, and I know Mike was on our show saying he thinks all four could be on the move, Ezzy. I, I really think that Hellebuck is on the move. I think 80's on the move in Dubois. I think Shifley, I actually disagree with Mike. I actually think Shifley, to answer Drew's question, I agree is with you. more likely to sign a, a long-term extension on July 1st and be the face of this franchise. And I think that I'm leaning towards Blake Wheeler staying based on what the signs we're seeing. I think I agree with Mike, actually. I think Shifley is going to be traded and it looks like Wheeler is going to be the only one of the core four who's left the original Atlanta Thrasher, or at least the last remaining Atlanta Thrasher. Right. And, Wheeler is different than the all Jets the still on the rights for- to Ivan Talagan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Spencer Mahachik. But I mean, Hellebuck has one year left on his deal. And obviously Hell- uh, Wheeler has one year left on his deal, but he's at the end of his career. This could be his last year or at the very least, Dave, it's going to be, you know, maybe a couple more seasons after this year. Right. So Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, those guys, you have to trade if you're not going to sign them to extensions as opposed to Wheeler, who you obviously, if you do re-sign him, it's going to be to a shorter-term contract, right? So it appears right now that the Jets' management views Wheeler as a guy that they want to keep and they're going to make their moves. And you have to wonder if part of the reason why he's not going to be moved is because you plan on moving Shifley, Dubois, and Hellebuck, and you want Wheeler, who's been here since day one, to be here. I'm not saying that that rationale is right, Drew. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're going to be putting Blake Wheeler in these contests and he's going to be playing in a golf tournament, I don't know when that is, if it's August or when exactly that golf tournament is. But, I mean, you're not going to trade a guy or buy out a guy who's going to be representing your organization in these various events, right? So, you know, we can talk all day about how the Jets should move on from Wheeler, but it's starting to look like Wheeler's going to play out his last year of his contract with the Jets. You know, and I, it goes back to another question that another point we made with Mike. I honestly don't know if the Jets hierarchy believes that there's a culture problem. I mean, you know, because if you thought there was a culture problem and you thought that that culture problem is significantly impacting your success, doesn't it stand to reason you would look to try and 
change that culture. And I don't believe that that culture is, is the, the problems with that culture are Pierre-Luc Dubois primarily. I mean, right. Pierre but you also Dubois. can't say that it's Blake Wheeler primarily, yeah, but, right? Like he's part of it, but you can't say it's him primarily either, right? I mean, we know that, you know, Mark Scheifele's play on the ice, his body language. I mean, it's again, you know, Blake Wheeler has been part of the leadership group for this team for a long time here. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, Drew, that he's part of the old guard. But again, you know, we talked to Mike about this, you know, just half an hour ago. Wheeler was one of their best forwards in that first round series against the yeah. Golden Knights. And I think he that was. means something. Well, look, he was, and he get, deserves credit for that, which is why I think it was so disheartening. And I've said this, you know, really since the playoffs ended to see him come out and make the comments he made at the end of the, after Rick bonus made his comments, Dave, it's just, you know, if he's, if he's the first face being trotted out, then he's still, and the players themselves said it, he's still the driving force in that room. And that mm-hmm. the team has not succeeded. So if the team has not succeeded, it stands to reason, at least in my you know logical working operation order of operations, if you yeah. want to use a math reference, is you would do something that to change the driving force there. But the team seems to, cons- to continue to bring him back. And it's not like his voice is going to be diminished. It's clear now. They tried to diminish his impact by taking away the captaincy and it didn't work. He's still the driving force. He's still the, the, the pulse of the team based on what the other players say. And that's not going to change this coming year. If he's still in the room, he's still going to be the driving force, Dave. Well, and, and again, the idea of moving on and creating a new captain is going to be super awkward because you're going to be like, okay, you're the captain, even though you literally just went and said, everybody else is the captain. Like everybody, sorry, on the team said like Wheeler's the captain. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it leads itself to a, an uncomfortable situation. But at the end of the day, look, these guys are, are pro athletes and they're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. So while I understand that this is a problem, sometimes you just have to just put that stuff behind you and figure out a way if that's, if that's your reality, that's your reality. And look, we don't know the conversations that are happening behind the scenes between ownership and the general manager because it's not necessarily that they're on the same page in that regard. We don't know what that looks like. So it could be that one is advocating for a move towards a buyout. Maybe one is saying, don't do the buyout, you know, and ultimately one has the, the, the final say. And, and again, Drew, that goes to your idea of having some insulation and maybe having a president of hockey operations there to assist in that regard. But ultimately it just seems to me like, regardless of what you think should happen, it seems to me that the current state of the Winnipeg Jets, if I was a, if I was doing our, our Betway, uh, you know, bet right now, yeah, I would say that I think, you know, first guy gone is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Second guy gone is Connor Hellebuck. Mark Scheifele signing a long-term extension. And the Jets are going to start with Blake Wheeler. I'm not saying they're going to finish the year with Blake Wheeler, but I think they're going to start the year with Blake Wheeler and potentially, depending on how things go, potentially move on from it. Well, I mean, if they start the year with Blake Wheeler and then they end up not without Blake Wheeler, I think it's safe to assume that the season has gone off the rails. Sure. Because, you know, well, if I, you're not going to have Connor Hellebuck, there's and and if you're not going to have Connor Hellebuck and you're still going to have the same defensive structure, right? You know, I mean, you're 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 right away losing at yeah. least ten to fifteen wins, Drew. Yeah, v- Vegas can can run Aiden Hill to a cup when you have that defense in front of him. The Jets cannot do the same with whomever their goalie is next season, Mackenzie Blackwood or Tristan Jari or... Could be Aiden Hill. 
Aiden Hill could be. I mean, whomever it is. Uh, Lauren Persuas. He's a pending UFA, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't matter if if the Aiden Hill. I I mean, it was reported that by Jesse Granger that he thinks it's going to be Logan Thompson and Lauren Brassois next year for Vegas. That Aiden Hill will. Well, I mean, and that's isn't that Aiden Hill's obviously going to get a huge, huge raise, right? When you win a Stanley Cup. But that's perfect. That's Vegas in a nutshell. Thank you very much. You got us the cup. We've won. We want to continue to win. You're not in our in our picture. We'll move you along. And fans, you know, might be, you know, you know, fans don't care. Banners fly forever. You know, Aiden Hill will end up somewhere. He'll have a lot of money in his pocket. It'll be fine. And the Golden Knights will say Logan Thompson and Lauren Francois. Hopefully, you can achieve the same for us next season. If the Kings you know, can't get Hellebuck, Aiden Hill makes a lot of sense for them as well. Yeah, <laughs> they can bring back Jonathan Quick while they're at it. I don't think that's happening. Craig Button, up next. Talk about the draft. Talk a little bit more about the Jets. Much more to come. Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Saturday morning, you're back with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. Thrilled that so many of you are spending your Saturday morning with us as well. I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, our friends at Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg, among all the other sponsors we've mentioned earlier on in the program. also want to remind you, the NHL schedule will be coming out sometime in the next couple of weeks. It's usually right around uh, before free agency, I think, is usually when the schedule will come out, hopefully. And then at that point in time, I'm going to sit down with our good friend, Andrew at Boston Pizza and I'm going to circle some dates on the calendar and he's going to circle some dates on his calendar and then we're going to share those dates with all of you good folk because those are going to be the dates that we are live at Boston Pizza for the Illegal Curve post-game show, live on location editions of the Illegal Curve post-game show throughout the upcoming 2023-24 NHL season. Just as soon as we have those dates confirmed, we'll pass on that information to you good folks so that you know where to be and when to be there. Spency is already drinking fish bowls in lead-up to it. He's like a marathoner building up his tolerance, and then he's going to be tapering in the week before the event, and then he's going to get back on the horse and drink those fish bowls. Kenny's water bottle will be there. It'll be a party at our local Boston pizzas. Boys, I can't believe we're talking about next year already. It's early June. I guess it's mid-June now. Oh, you got you to gotta prime the pump, Ezzy, as you know so well from your days. Prime the pump, get people excited, uh, you know, things of that nature. Get them anticipating the dates on the calendar. Like, I'm anticipating the month of August rolling around so I don't have to spend as much time with the two of you for that beautiful five-week window where we all go our separate ways and don't communicate with one another. It's always very much a, a, a delightful time for, for all of us where we just sort of turn off our phones and block our numbers from one another and then come back rejuvenated again in September. Good friend Craig Button set to join us coming up momentarily. Talk about the upcoming NHL draft where we know, you know, that there's not a lot of intrigue uh, up at the top of the draft. I would say the most intriguing of the players uh, is Matvey Michkov out of the KHL, a guy who's tantalizing with his talent, but there is questions about when he would be eligible to come over to the NHL given he has a contract contract. 
in Russia still and when he's next going to make his appearance in North America. But he's certainly probably one of the most intriguing talents among all of the talents that will be on display uh, at the NHL draft in Nashville. Craig going to join us momentarily, talk about that. Would not expect the Jets to be involved in those discussions given their place uh, in the rankings. But of course, we will have complete and total coverage. Dave, you had uh, on IllegalCurve.com earlier this week, um, there was an interesting piece that you had posted about Zach Benson. Of course, formerly, well, I guess, are they still the Winnipeg Ice? I don't know what they're called anymore. Formerly of the Winnipeg Ice, yeah. uh, whatever the team. The Wild. They're be. called the Wild. Is that, are they the Wild? Well, that... The owner, the owner, the owner, did they actually call, did he? They announced yeah, they're going to be called the Wild. Oh, yeah. they did. Yeah. Because he owns a team in BC called the Wild. He owns like a, like a BCHL team, I think, in, in BC. That's going to, that, that is also called the Wild. So he's, I guess they'll be the. I'm not going to pronounce the first name, but uh, the Wenatchee, the Wenatchee Wild, according to Spency, that's what he's saying uh, in the uh, in the chat. Wenatchee okay. or whatever I'm. Uh, so your ice jersey, your ice jerseys are currently a uh, a um, commemorative a piece relic. Yeah. yeah, you could probably get some ice jerseys pretty cheap. I would imagine very shortly they'll be on sale if you want to. They're nice your, jerseys. Know. I have to say, like our, our photographers, Colby Spence, Alexander James, they shot yeah. some ice games for us uh, this season. Uh, they really are. They were slick looking jerseys, I have to say. So they, yeah, they are. So you can get that if you want to be, you know. So twenty years from now, you can retro, be retro, and wear your retro ice jersey and be like, "Hey, that's a cool jersey, dude." Do people yeah. say still say, "Dude," I was gonna say, "Drew," you you sounded like honestly, you may as well have been like uh, <laughs> people yeah, say, "Dude." There's nothing wrong with the dude. skateboard. Uh, what's that's his right, name? Uh, uh, <laughs> Steve Buscemi. With, Steve Buscemi <laughs> with the skateboard. Hey, hey, fellow, <laughs> fe- fellow kids. high schoolers. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. I was never cool in high school either, though, Dave. So that, it doesn't really matter. You've always been one rad, Drew. I've always been rad. Thank you, Eddie. That's very kind of you to say. Nobody believes it for a second. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, the draft will be coming up and all the intrigue. And, and Make sure you join else. us starting at 6 o'clock. Yeah, there you go. Wednesday but, night, Eddie yep. and I chatting nonstop. If the Zach- interesting thing about this draft, guys, yeah. is, you know, you mentioned Matvey Mitchkov. Yeah. And, I mean... Nobody really expects him. I mean, if he's available at 18, something has gone horribly wrong and the Jets should take him, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I yeah, think it gets, you know, Montreal has the fifth overall pick and a lot yeah. of Habs fans are hoping that he falls. I mean, we know Connor Bedard's going one to Chicago. We yeah. expect Adam Fantilli to go number two to the Anaheim Ducks, right? Replacing, in you know, when you think about it, Ryan Getzlaff uh, up the middle, right? Leo Carlson mm-hmm. number three to the Columbus Blue Jackets. If he doesn't go three, he's probably going to go number four. But it's really wide open after number three, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got Will Smith out of the U.S. National Development Program. Uh, and, and it's just not, I mean. Doesn't Will Smith have to go to Philly, has he? Yeah, exactly. He does have to go to Philly. Uh, West Philadelphia, actually born and raised, Dave. But, uh, I mean, this is a really strong draft. Drew just mentioned Zach Benson. Dave had a couple of posts earlier this week on IllegalCurve.com. So if you haven't checked those out, I mean, Zach Benson's going to be a top 10 pick, guys. I mean, some scouts have him high as, as you know, five or six. Others have him kind of going in that eight to 10 range. But this is a really strong draft, and that's why the com- comparisons have been made to the 2015 draft. Everybody mm-hmm. remembers that draft with McDavid and Eichel going 1-2, right? Mm-hmm. So Craig Button's going to come on shortly. I just texted him, so hopefully he's going to log in uh, shortly. He's been very busy doing lots of media this time of year. But, uh, you know, for example, he's got Axel Sandin Palika, and that's who I was going to ask Craig about because he's got him fifth he's a swedish defenseman you know other people have him kind of going in that 10 to 15 range right and that's not where craig thinks he's going to go craig mentions this every year when he comes on with us he ranks them 
based on how he thinks they're going to be as players, you know, three or four years down the road. So his Craigslist is not a mock draft. I believe right. Craig is going to put out a mock draft if he hasn't already. Um, it's a very deep draft, though, so it's going to be very interesting. It's also going to be very interesting to see if we have some first-round picks moved. I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting well, Montreal, has he? Well, exactly. Montreal yeah. wants to get to, they want to get to number two. Right. Well, I mean, when was the last time, though? I'm trying to think. When's the last time, you know, there, there's been sort of that 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 huge shakeup among top draft picks in, the, in an NHL draft? It happens all the time in the NFL. Where, mm-hmm. where teams are always trading up or trading down uh, in the first round. But, you, did, I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time there was a, a, a huge, significant move that saw a team, uh, you know, rocket up the, uh, you know, make a big swing to move up yeah. in an NHL draft. And it doesn't happen very regularly. No. Because, no. uh, I mean, again, the NHL is such a conservative league. Uh, you know, oftentimes they err on the side of not doing anything. And you don't really ever hear about, you know, rumors of a team jumping up i know what you just mentioned that montreal allegedly wants to move up from five to two but rarely do they ever pay the price to do so of you know years of future first round picks like they do in the nfl almost yeah. on a yearly basis where teams but that's move up. because 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 the general but generally speaking drew the guy in the nfl if you're doing that is expected to have an immediate impact right whereas in the nhl it's not you're not getting that immediate return so there's always that hesitancy obviously the jets did it when they wanted to move up and get Logan Stanley, when right. they uh, did that in 2016, when they made, was it the trade with the Flyers as that they wanted to move up and they traded uh, their first and second to uh, Philadelphia to move up to the first spot where they could draft Logan Stanley. Uh, that worked out well. But anyways, <laughs> maybe it's a cautionary tale. Of, of it worked out well in game four against the Habs in the playoffs. It did. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. But anywho, the point is that uh, worked like, out well it, when what's his name tried to uh, take his knees out from him, leading to the five minute major against Edmonton. Uh, who was the Josh oldest? Archibald? Josh Archibald. Yeah, oh, when yeah. he went cannonballing at, at Logan Stanley's yeah. legs to get the Jets back in that game in uh, in the in the first round of that. Series. But I, look, I, I think the point Ez is making is that while there's a lot of expectation in the top five, and obviously just one change can create a, a an domino unbelievable effect, yeah. a domino effect. I think, and you know, Rob is saying that this in the comments. The interesting thing is all the drops, the guys who drop, and like, look, Cole Perfetti. Right, the Jets weren't expecting to get him. He was expected to be a, a top five pick potentially, and the Jets got him at ten. You know, like Kyle Connor. We, I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember where he projected, to be honest with you. But the fact that Boston skipped on him three times, and and they had that chance, and the Jets mm-hmm. got him where they got him. I mean, that's it. It those are the interesting thing ones to watch, and and so that is what the Jets have shown that they can draft in that you know thirteen to eighteen range and still get a pretty good. They pretty could have also taken. They could have also taken Matt Barzell. Yeah, the yeah, Bruins. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was no, not a good draft for the Bruins, Dave. No, no, no. <laughs> no, but they, 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 they've, they've done okay since then. They, they, they've still managed to stay as one of the elite teams in the cream of the crop in the NHL, but you're right. That was not a uh, a shining moment for the Boston Bruins, as has been laughed about and, and, and talked about many times uh, over the years. But it'll be very interesting because, of course, you know, the Jets are, you know, I, I would not expect the Jets to be a, to, to move up uh, when it comes to when it comes to the NHL draft, I would not expect the Jets to be uh, taking a big swing and moving into the top ten. Now, maybe can that be part of the Pierre Luc Dubois return? And that's something that we've uh, that we've talked about a little bit. You know, with the with the Montreal Canadiens and everything else, and 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 where they're currently scheduled to draft, could that fifth overall pick 
be something that the Jets are looking for. Well, I'm sure the Jets would love it, but I, I right. don't think Montreal has any intention of trading. No, and, and I don't I think, mean, I don't think any of the teams really want to move out of, like, Adam Fantilli, right? Like, all of the scouts say that if it wasn't for Connor Bedard, Fantilli would be the first overall pick, which is right. obvious because Bedard is a generational player. But Fantilli is a generational player as well, right? Didn't mm -hmm. he win the Hobie Baker Award, or he was a finalist for the Hobie Baker Award? And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he had better numbers uh, than Jack Eichel in his 18 year, right? Like he had 63 points or something for the University of Michigan. So mm -hmm. Fantilli is going to be a really good player. Anaheim's not trading that pick. And if you're Montreal, like you're, you're a team that's not going to be very good for a few years. And that's why I think Matvey Mitchkov makes a lot of sense for a team like yeah. the Habs. Like if you're a team that's trying to turn the corner, I think Mitchkov has three years left, drew on his contract in Russia, that if I'm not mistaken. Right. But the point is that anybody who drafts him is not drafting him for the 23-24 season. You're drafting him for the you know, the 26-27 season, right? And look how long the Wild had to, to wait for Kirill Kaprizov, right? Mm -hmm. He was over in Russia till he was 24 years old or 25 years old, right? So um, it's very interesting. And I think with all of these names out there, especially with the Jets, with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck, yeah, I think some first-round picks could be in play. I just, I don't necessarily know they're going to be as high as the Jets would like. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, the, the waiting game for Mitchkov. And, you know, I think I don't know who it was. I saw it on on Twitter. They said you know general managers are willing to wait for a player in North America and they'll draft him wherever they think they need to draft him. But that same player who they might have to wait for over in Russia, whoa, 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 that might be a bridge too far. We might be hesitant to draft that player because he has to wait. We have to wait for him while he's over there. I mean, I don't think the Minnesota Wild in the least bit regret. Uh, waiting on Kirill Kaprizov and, and finally getting him over into North America. Uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, the top picks, I mean, nobody expects Connor Bedard uh, to be playing anywhere other than with the Chicago Blackhawks next season. He's not going back to junior barring some, you know, completely unexpected turn of events he'll be with the Blackhawks but you know that same you know the it, it is interesting that there's definitely a bias sometimes in perception about waiting for a player who's residing in North America versus waiting for a player who's residing in Russia because uh, it's not it's not th thought of as equal for whatever reason well I mean it's not well, because of, of the pro situation it's because it's a pro contract versus a guy playing junior yeah, and also, and also, like, a, a, it's also not the, t the time factor is not quite the same, right? I mean, to say you could, in theory, have to wait for a college level player for three years, right. but you don't necessarily have to. Rutger McGordy, for example, to use the uh, Jets example, is expected to only play one more season of college hockey at the University of Michigan before he turns pro. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys, you know, Kyle Connor, for example, played one year at the University of Michigan before he turned pro. So the expectation and might turn pro, right? Like, I don't think well, he's that's necessarily what I mean. committed to playing a second year with Michigan, right? Right. As he, and that's the point. So Drew, I, I'm just saying it's not, it's not necessarily apples to apples here because of the idea that, like, as he said, there's no, there's no real wiggle room here. You know that you're waiting those three years uh, to 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 get Mitchkov before he's playing, whereas here you you could have to wait three years, but the likelihood is you'll get him after a year, maybe two, but very and 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 at the end worst case scenario it's three. But generally speaking, you know, like look at Chaz Lucius. Chaz Lucius unexpectedly, we all expected him, especially based on his injuries, to keep this as uh, as a Jets theme boys. Mm -hmm. We expected Chaz Lucius to to play one more year at the University of Minnesota. He wasn't obviously very happy with how things had gone, so he turned pro. Uh, unexpectedly after his first season in college. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it it's, it's, a di I just think it's a different animal. 
uh, between North America guys here in North America and guys in Russia. And it also depends on your organization. Like as he says, if you're the Montreal Canadiens and you know you're not going to compete for at least probably two more years, like not next year, maybe the year after, then maybe waiting one more year after will really fall within that window of your organization. I mean, I don't know that this, you know, if Montreal, I don't know why Montreal can't be competitive next year. You know, I don't know why they can't, you know, and I hear that. Have you seen their defense and goaltending? Well, the defense (laughs) is an issue, but, you know, the defense. I know Sam, I know you're, Drew, I know you're a big Sam Montembeau fan, but uh, I'm not so sure. No, No, Drew's more of a Caden Primo guy. Look, uh, and those are both valid points that you make, and that's obviously their their shortcoming. Montreal's going to be a bottom five team next year. I don't, bottom five is, a you know, if they're healthy, they have an, they have a lot of talent that and if you add in Pierre Luc Dubois, you know there's a lot of talent there that I don't know that bottom five is necessarily defense and goaltending. Have you looked at that defense, Drew? I have looked at the defense. It's not very good. There's no question about that. So that is certainly the the area of concern on the back end would be the goaltending and 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 the defense, which would be their shortcoming. There's no question about that. But I don't think it's all so. You know, you look at some of the bottom five teams, and they're really bad. Like they don't have any what you would like Montreal. As, okay, as he, but there's you know teams that you know some of those bottom five teams don't really have anything resembling talent. Montreal's got a fair bit of talent now up front that I don't know that it's necessarily uh, you know a uh, uh, foregone conclusion that they're going to be bottom feeders yet again. Although to be perfectly blunt, they probably don't mind being bottom feeders again, because then that will eventually allow them to get that other high pick or another year with a high pick that would allow them to shore up some of those shortcomings after they've certainly addressed the, the, the group up front. I would, uh, I, I I would suggest with the litany of moves. And of course, if you add in a Pierre Luc Dubois or something along those lines, not sure what happened to Craig Button. Hopefully we'll get him on uh, at this point in time, probably more of a next week thing. Yeah, I texted Craig Drew and, and no response, so he might yeah. be busy. Maybe he uh, hit the snooze button. I'm not yeah. sure, but yeah, like we'll try to get him on for, for next Saturday. Yeah. You know, just getting back to the 18th overall pick, obviously it's really hard, you know, to figure out. I mean, it was like last year, right, when the Jets picked Rutger McGroarty. It was yeah. hard to figure out who they were going to take. But, you know, you look at some of the, the players available and, you know, just looking at the most recent Craigslist, Braden Yager, who played for the Moose Jaw Warriors, he's a center, big boy from Saskatchewan. And again, just because he's ranked 18th, there's a good chance he goes before 18th. Because yeah. if you remember, Braden Yager at the beginning of the 22-23 season was considered a, a top 10 draft pick. But I mean, it just shows you the type of players, guys, that are possibly available right? Like he had 78 points in 67 games for Moose Jaw, added 16 points in the playoffs. Remember, Moose Jaw gave the Winnipeg Ice a lot of trouble in the, what was that, the second round, Dave, right? So yeah. uh, Braden Yager, a guy like Nate Danielson on the Brandon Wheat Kings, he's a really good player. I mean, these are the types of players, like the Jets are going to draft a player that was one of the best player, if not the best player on their junior team or on their USHL team or whatever it is, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of guys available from the U.S. National Development Program. Obviously, yeah, Will and- Smith is not going to be available, but no. there's going to be some really good players available at 18 because of how Gabe deep Perot, is Oliver Moore, two guys that are being talked yeah. about sort of in that mid. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Moore might round. be a top 10 pick, but yeah, he's a really good player. Yeah. And again, the Jets, we know about their history of, of drafting players from the U.S. National Team Development Program. They've had a long history of tapping into that program to success, I'll point yeah. out. I know that yeah. a lot of people, and I hear it all the time, and I don't subscribe to the Jets need more Western Canadian players. The Jets need more players from Manitoba. The Jets need more 
better players. I don't care where they come from. I don't care where they play hockey. They need, and I don't subscribe to, to looking at a birth certificate as the determining factor where the players play. And I understand, I appreciate everybody's uh, comments that would think different than I do on this one. The Jets need to always draft the best player available. I don't care what his passport says. I don't care what his, uh, I don't care what his uh, birth certificate says. You draft the best player uh, available and then you figure out a way to make that player happy and keep them in town, you know, assuming that you want them in town when their contract status gets, allows them that, that freedom to choose Dave. Yeah. Look, and, and, and the reality is that, you know, people can say that guys don't want to stay here, but Pierre-Luc Dubois is from Canada. He doesn't want to stay here. You know, Kyle Connor is from the States and he stayed here. And and look for all the people who talk about Connor Hellebuck, he signed a six year extension, right? Like he, he stayed in Winnipeg for 10 seasons. And so it's not as if guys won't stay here. Nikolai Ehlers, like there's the list goes on and on and on and on. We've talked about it. Blake Wheeler signed an extension. You know, all of these guys sign extensions. So, I mean, you're right. It's incumbent on the team to take the best player. I mean, look, if, I I mean, I I don't, I don't disagree necessarily though. If you have a guy who's from Saskatchewan or Manitoba and you have a guy from a, a U.S. program and they're, it's, it's a toss up really in terms of quality, then maybe I would, I would tend to, to, to say, well, you're probably better off keeping him long-term if he's going to be from the region. But I, I, again, that would be my own bias and that's my own way of thinking. And, but again, the Jets have disproven that in the sense that they've managed to maintain and keep And Look, Jacob Truba wasn't like he hated Winnipeg. It was just, you know, his family situation and why he wanted to, to be out, out in the States. And again, I, you know, it is what it is and you don't blame the guy. You understand the situation and you, and look, the other thing also is that's one thing the Jets, have to become a little bit more cognizant of is taking guys using them in their prime, right? We always tend to think the prime doesn't happen until you sign that third contract as he, when you get the big money, the problem is the jets really need to be thinking about using guys in that middle contract when they're, you know, really just hitting their peak. And if you have a number of those kind of that Seattle mantra of, of, you know, Seattle being more second liners, but the fact is maybe you have more guys in that range and, populating your team as opposed to you know some really good ones and then a fourth line that just has no identity so there's a lot of opportunity and hold on before i give up the mic as one little trivia question 1989 nhl draft who did the draft jets select on this day in 1989 in the fourth round can we get a hint he was he was subsequently traded uh sorry was it was in the yeah, 62nd, 62nd overall. That wouldn't be the fourth round. That would have been the third uh, round. Third round. Yeah. But uh, he was traded late four years later for a dollar. Chris Draper. Well, you gave it away. With I was going to oh, say Chris ahead. Draper. I don't know. Dave's always loved Chris Draper, maybe because he's a multiple Stanley Cup champion with the Wings and he was a really good player. Uh, but yeah, Chris Draper. Was that the last trade for a dollar? Like, did we ever see another trade think, for a dollar yeah. after that? Yeah, I, I I think that would be the first and last trade ever for it. Well, now they just call as he now they just call it future. Consi- it's like the it's like the yeah. um, it's like the Olison trade to uh, Freddie Olison, of course, trade yes. from uh, Dallas to Colorado this week, where they traded him for future considerations, which for the record are nothing. Yeah, future and that dollar with inflation would be like five dollars now. Oh yeah, at least it's an expensive dollar now. It's not. It's not just. Could you imagine dollar. if like I mean they actually like had the dollar and they like they framed like like Barry Shankro has it in some like. No, Mike Smith like, actually has it, Dave. Ah, so then it's in Russia. Was he the GM in '89? I think so. Yeah, he was. That was that was yeah. his responsibility. It was after John Ferguson, and yeah, that was that was he traded that Chris was Draper for a dollar, and then drafted seventy-five Russians. 
Well, don't you remember we played back? That was great. Uh, yeah, that was really good. Back on the uh, the old place. And by the way, the old place being the, the, the radio station. And, you know, just a terrible, terrible company. Given oh, yeah. And our thoughts and sympathies are with the good folks at 1260 in Edmonton. We tweeted about that earlier this week. That they're going through the same thing that we went through. You think and they would have learned their freaking lesson? No, like, they don't care. They don't want to learn. They don't they got want to no learn class. It's they unbelievable. No class. They don't care. It's- they, they just like, don't care. I, I couldn't believe it. I saw it on Twitter and I was like, they're doing it the exact same way. Like they got, and again, the reality is corporations don't give a shit. Like they right. don't really don't care. Like they're, they, they know they're too big to fail. They don't care. They don't care. Like they can pretend this whole bell let's talk is all BS yeah. uh, because it's all corporate. So they don't care. And they know that they can do these things and there is no blowback. I mean, like someone like me who realizes, well, wait a second, I have bell, you know, uh, home security. Well, I'm going to punt them and get somebody else. I mean, maybe you can have a small dent, but the reality is at the end of the day, they don't care. But the fact that they would do this again in the exact same manner to the folks in Edmonton is just so classless. And it's so, I I would think it's beyond, but it's not beyond obviously. And as they, they chose to do it once again. And, and it's, it's embarrassing, right? These guys went to commercial expecting to bring a guest on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it cut to music. And I even listened, I, after talking about it on, on, on here, I was driving to the office and I turned on like 1290 for the first time in probably 20 years. And I, I turned it on to listen and it I caught the end of the kind of going away message. And I was like, just, you know, the, even the guy's voice was annoying. I was like, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, sorry, Mandel. <laughs> no, they don't care. But anyways, they wanted to make mention of that. Our friends at 1260, uh, we spent a lot of time. Dave Jameson, of course, been one of our regulars. Alan Mitchell, I mean, Dusty Nielsen, Jason Greger. All those guys are going to land. And, and everybody else that I haven't mentioned and all the guys behind the scenes as well are all going. They're all fantastically talented. And they're going to land softly and in a better spot than where they had been uh with uh with the good folks and i put that uh, my tongue firmly in cheek the good folks at uh at, at bell media so treating them the way they are as per usual uh that was a at a on the side i forget where i was actually gonna go with that but i think as you got something to say well no i was just gonna say it's really just unfortunate yeah and why would you expect anything more from a horrible corporation the way they you know, they canceled TSN 1290 in Winnipeg and mm-hmm. just their track record. But yeah, just feeling for guys like Dusty Nielsen. And as you mentioned, Dave Jameson's a guy who we've had on many times, Lieutenant Eric, Jason Greger, yeah. uh, former NHLer Jason Strudwick. These guys will will be okay. It's just, uh, we, we know how it felt back in, in 2021, right? Like it just gave you that sick feeling in your stomach. It just was a horrible way uh for the station to to shut down right like it just was the worst possible way you could do it but at the end of the day they don't care so there's not much you can do that's right exactly right anyways nonetheless that'll be uh onwards and upwards as as the case may be uh you know this has been a fun show it's been a fun saturday morning we're all just waiting for these other shoes to drop and we've been waiting by the way drew i've got some breaking news you don't have any breaking news i do oh okay with my fancy illegal curve phone um josh morrissey is the style king Thank you. Thank you. I'm thrilled. Is that because he wore that pink uh, that yeah. pink suit? The Miami, uh... the Miami Vice suit. Okay. Well, thank you. Congratulations for that breaking news. I hope that... It's breaking uh... news. I mean, they just tweeted it out, right, Dave? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm surprised they didn't name Blake Wheeler the Style King based on everything else they've said uh, uh, without trotting Wheeler out left, right, and center. But uh, congratulations to Josh Lowry, Morrison. Lowry's a well, really well-dressed guy, too. 
yeah, well, congratulations to all the contestants on the Style King. They just can't match up to our style uh, here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, is clearly uh, the case may be. But you can't uh, compete with that Sea Bears t-shirt? Come on, boy. That is a nice Sea Bears t-shirt, as you got to say. You're, you're rocking the, the local – the Sea Bears won, I think, a couple nights ago, if I recall correctly. So uh, They did, yeah, two in a row. I'm looking forward to – it's sort of unfortunate. My uh, the little uh, – you know, the, I wish they played more afternoon games. My son loves basketball, but they played a one Sunday afternoon game – uh, coming up in July that uh, we have tickets to. So I'm looking forward to that. I Well, it's funny, Andrew. I had a chance. A buddy of mine texted me and he said, do you want to go to the game? Yeah. And I thought he was talking about the Gold Eyes game. And I had my own softball game. So I was like, I can't. And then he like, then he sends me a D, like a pic, a video. They're sitting right on first floor at the Seabears game. And I was like, I would have gone. But uh, of course, my my love of softball couldn't allow me to. That's right. The House of that. A. The House of A needed you more than the Sea Bears did uh, along the along the baseline, Dave. Uh, big thank you to everybody for joining us this Saturday morning. Look, there's going to be news, official news. It's going to happen sometime very soon. When it does, illegalcurve.com. And if it's big enough and warranted enough and we're able to do it because, you know, you know how our lives are busy and, 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 and everything else, we might even pop in for a pop-up show. But keep it locked to IllegalCurve.com. Could be this afternoon, right? It could be 20 minutes from now. We will see if we're able to do it. If it's, Wherever the news breaks, I can assure you, IllegalCurve.com is going to be the destination. You can follow us on all of our social medias at IllegalCurve everywhere. want to say a big thank you to uh, Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press for joining us earlier the, this morning. If you missed any of the show, if you missed any of Mike's interview, there's an immediate replay here on the YouTube channel, and the podcast will be available coming up shortly as well. Dave, I'm going to do his yeoman's work, of course, getting that up and running. Uh, smash the like button if you haven't already done so here on the program want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors they make the saturday show the post game show the website a possibility our friends at the rady jewish community center the rady jcc sports dinner comes on monday if you haven't got your tickets radyjcc.com we're all three going to be there come say hi to us are we wearing suits we're gonna have to dust off the suits for this yeah, it's a suit. It's a suit kind of night, Ezzy. Tie optional, nice. but it's generally a suit. Uh, you know, a suit, a nice shirt sort of thing. We'll make sure we get I'll that pull over out the to you. Suit that I wore to your bar mitzvah, Drew. That's all I ever hope for, and I'm sure that fits very well. Nice and snug. Uh, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Grid, Rolly's Trans for Grid Park and the Keg. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. We'll be back next Saturday, 9 a.m. back here on our YouTube channel, of course, and all our social media platforms. In the interim, IllegalCurve.com, our social medias. Leave us some feedback here on the YouTube channel. Leave us some feedback on the iTunes page. Smash the like button. And, of course, we are going to be there wherever the Winnipeg Jets news breaks. For Dave Manouk, for Ezra Ginsberg and his beautiful nature background, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Thanks, everyone, for joining Happy us. Early Father's Day. Happy Early Father's Day. Yes, definitely to all the dads happy us. and the moms doing double duty as dads, whatever it might be. Happy Father's Day, one and all. This has been the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.